And so, welcome back to the Urantia Radio Podcast. Uh, my name is Jim. I'm your host. It's good to uh, have you here. Also, thank you to Joel Garvin once again for coming on and sharing some really good conversation with us about the Urantia book and about the current times that we're in and how uh, how the Urantia book applies. And I really enjoyed uh, Joel. For those who don't know, Joel's work is in chemistry and energy. And he, he, uh, he again, is just an incredible man and he has a good grasp of the Urantia book. And that's why we had him on. If there's a question or a subject that you would like to have addressed on the Urantia Radio podcast, our email is super easy. It's Radio at gmail.com. That's Radio at gmail.com. Or you can go on our website, which links you back to the podcast and also some other things of interest going on in the news of science and history and faith and all the other things that your Rancho Book readers might be interested in, and you'll find that also on our website, yourrancheradio.net. And we also include a lot of community events. So if you click on the menu, you'll see a link that takes you to all the community events that are being sponsored by the fellowship and the foundation, all kinds of really good stuff. So I encourage you uh, to share. You know, look, there's, there's so many great websites out there that I see, so many that are just absolutely awesome, totally awesome. And uh, to those people, hats off. Uh, the website, yourrancheradio.net, just a simple way uh, to get to the book. Like I said, news from around the world. It's sort of a collated, uh, what I call a destination point that will get you in touch with the other stuff that has to do with the Urantia book. So once again, yourrancheradio.net. So I promised a listener that I would dedicate an episode of the podcast to talk about Jesus. The Jesus I met in the Arantia book versus the one I knew from Scripture growing up. And I think a lot of people will relate to this story. Growing up like so many other people, you know, I was taught Jesus, like a lot of people, was my Savior. Did you hear that when you were, when you were little? He's your Savior. He's your Redeemer. And I heard that he died for my sins. And a lot of talk about miracles, salvation, walking on water, raising Lazarus from the death, dead. This, these were all stories that I grew up with. I went to church, not as often as many. I don't think that we were overtly religious in our family. My dad was leaning a little more secular. My mom, she kind of, you know, she was born a Baptist, so that was still part of her character. And so she wanted us to go to school like or church uh, to keep us on the right path. And that was how I... Uh, came to know Jesus, same way as many of, of you, perhaps. And I always assumed it was all true, right? I didn't think too much about it. Um, I don't think that I was really aware of the divinity so much of Jesus as I was the story of Jesus, because much of what it was was real simple. It was, he died for your sins, he came here, he paid the price so that you could have salvation. And that was a very simple simple way to sort of a intellectual approach. Now, I know a lot of people who have much deeper relationships with Jesus than I do, and I envy those people. But flash forward to the 1980s, and I was just what you would consider a pretty average Christian, you know. And uh, I used all the correct language when I conversed with my other Christian friends. I dated a woman who was a Christian, 
And uh, we didn't sit around too much and talk about Christ, but I think it was comforting knowing that we we had shared that. But I don't think I considered the divinity and the human humanity part very much. Not really. To tell you the truth, despite the fact that Jesus was a pretty spectacular human being, the concepts of his nature really never occurred to me until much later in life. It was more like a feeling I had for someone like Abraham Lincoln or somebody like, you know, Gandhi or something, right? Or Mother Teresa. Someone you knew did great things, but there was no personal connection. Uh, to be honest, I don't think I've ever had a, a time in my life where I felt that Jesus had a, said a single word to me. I never heard a voice. Uh, I, I can say that I know what he wants. There's a feeling. Uh, to me, as I've grown, and certainly as I've learned from the Arantia book, uh, I, I consider him an older brother. And he's off doing what he needs to do, and he expects me to do my job. He's running an entire universe. And all I need to do is kind of take care of the people in my immediate zone of influence, my family, my friends, people in the community, people I work with, people I can make an impact on in a positive way. And that's my mission, right? That's your mission. The Arantia book teaches us about the spirit of truth, that it's, it's actually the spirit of Michael, uh, the spirit that has been bestowed to each of us that gives us the ability to discern the truth. When someone's lying to you, that you know that they might be lying to you or have a suspicion, that could be the spirit of truth in operation in your life. Doesn't necessarily mean it's a religious feeling. It could just be a, an awareness. That's the spirit of truth. When someone comes to you and starts to talk to you about something and, and it, it means something to you and it touches you in a way, then you know that there must be truth there. That, that ability to feel the truth is a bestowed gift. It's like having the ability to smell. It's a sense. It's a sensory. But it's a sensory on a non-material level. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, the Bible teaches us about the power that Christ had over the people during his time. Man, it must have been interesting, right, walking around with this guy? I can sense that when I read the Urantia book's testimony of his life, it really comes to life. One thing that I first did when I became a reader, and I happened to be living with my mom at that time, trying to get a start on my career, and I gave her my copy of the Urantia book, and I just started reading it like a year before. And uh, I told her to start reading from part four, which she did, and she gave it back to me, and she said that she cried because it was so beautifully written. She was a Christian, but she told me on that day that I knew why I was a Christian. That's what she said to me. After I read this story, I knew why I was a Christian. I felt like I, I knew Christ better after reading. And I say to myself, my goodness, man, how many Christians who have fallen from the church or who have decided they don't like all the rules and regulations of, of Christianity or have walked away for whatever reason, that they could re-engage and go back and, and not feel like they're compromising their integrity, their spiritual integrity, but just go back and read his entire life. And, and not only will you be sustained in your faith, but you still won't feel like you're compromising your intellectual integrity. 
what I say. You don't have to believe in the miracles of Jesus. The miracle is Jesus. That's what the Arantia book teaches. It's not the walking on the water or the feeding of the 5,000. Those are things that he didn't even want to do. And by the way, he didn't walk on water. It was a dream that Peter had. The Jesus in the Arantia book is alive. Uh, in fact, I'm going to share a couple of passages with you right now. Um, they're both from paper 196, which is probably one of the best prose I've ever written or read in my life. Just unbelievable. I'll just read a bit of it, and then you can continue reading if you want to. It's paper 196. It starts with, uh, Jesus enjoyed a sublime and wholehearted faith in God. He experienced the ordinary ups and downs of mortal existence, but he never religiously doubted the certainty of God's watch, care, and guidance. His faith was the outgrowth of the insight born of the activity of the divine presence. His indwelling adjuster, his faith, was neither traditional nor merely intellectual. It was wholly personal and purely spiritual. The human Jesus saw God as being holy, just, and great, as well as being true, beautiful, and good. All these attributes of divinity he focused in his mind as the will of God, the will of the Father in heaven. Jesus as God was at once and the same time the Holy One of Israel and the living and loving Father in heaven. The concept of God as a Father was not original with Jesus, but he exalted and elevated the idea into a sublime experience by achieving a new revelation of God and by proclaiming that every mortal creature is a child of this Father of love, a son of God. Jesus did not cling to the faith in God as would a struggling soul at war with the universe and at death grips with a hostile and sinful world. He did not resort to faith merely as a consolation in the midst of difficulties or as a comfort in threatened despair. Faith was not just an illusory compensation for the unpleasant realities and the sorrows of living. In the very face of all the natural difficulties and the temporal contradictions of mortal existence, he experienced the tranquility of supreme and unquestioned trust in God and felt the tremendous thrill of living by faith in the very presence of the Heavenly Father. And this triumphant faith was a living experience of actual spirit attainment. Jesus' great contribution to the values of human experience was not that he revealed so many new ideas about the Father in heaven, but rather that he so magnificently and humanly demonstrated a new and higher type of living faith in God. Never on all the worlds of this universe and the life of any one mortal did God ever become such a living reality as in the human experience of Jesus of Nazareth? And that's just the first several different paragraphs from paper 196. Oh, there's more. I could read about the faith of Jesus and how it attained the purity of child's trust, how his faith was so absolute and undoubting that it responded to the charm of the contact of fellow beings and to the wonders of the universe and how his sense of dependence on the divine was so complete and so confident that it yielded the joy and the assurance of absolute personal security. 
It's just filled. You, you cannot be touched when reading those words, when experiencing that, because you know firsthand that it, it must be true. It feels true. And there is that connection. Paper 155, the discourses on religion, our great intro, introductory lessons from the Master. There are a lot of great lessons. Uh, in the Bible I was reading not long ago, uh, I believe it was Mark, and uh, and there's so much that's left out of what the testimony that Mark gave to some of the teachings that Jesus had to the apostles, and you it really hits home. I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, who am I to take away anything from Scripture? Uh, the Gospels are incredibly written documents, no question. But the lessons are condensed more so in the Bible, left more, and that's why they're interpreted so widely and have been for so many thousands of years, right? But when you when you read the Urantia narrative, it expounds on what Jesus was teaching. And so the, you're not sitting there trying to interpret metaphors as much as you're getting the literal teachings of what this son man, son God had to say. So I hope you enjoy reading it. I hope you enjoyed this brief podcast on my personal experience, my personal testimony, as, as well as some narratives from paper 90, 196 that I think that you'd really enjoy. So until next time, thanks again for joining me on the Urantia Radio Podcast. I never thought that we'd be here We were so long on the way Now here we are in His presence If just for a day What a day Thousands of years in a day Is done. We will have grown in perfection and we will be one, only one. Nothing is greater than one.